So two years and six days ago, we met as a church for the first time. Um, I gave a lot of thought back then to like, what should we start on? But a lot of you now probably don't know because you weren't there that first day. There wasn't a lot of us, to be honest. Um, And that's okay. But what we started on is what we've continued kind of discreetly. We've never left these two topics, these two big ideas, which is the gospel. We, we started in Matthew 26, where Jesus is led to the cross, where he dies on the cross, and then he is raised back to life. That was the very first message. It was not a very good one. Uh, I just read a whole lot of scripture. It was a great scripture reading, kind of a bad sermon, to be honest. But, you know, doing the best I could. So, but here's where we went. Here, here's where we just followed Matthew, Matthew 26, 27, 28, because the gospel, the heart of the gospel that Jesus died and was raised back to life is necessary to come before the Great Commission. Before Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he proves it by dying on the cross, being raised back to life. And then he says, I'll, I'll be with you always, which is alluding to the spirit that he's giving us in order to what? carry out the Great Commission. So we really wanted to stay and start on and stay on the Great Commission. That's who we are as a church, um, and that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're about. Um, And Mark Dever, I I quoted him a couple weeks ago in the message. Uh, He's a pastor in Washington, D.C., and here's what he says. If you say you follow Jesus and you're not helping others to follow Jesus— I just, I don't know what you mean by follower of Jesus. If, if you say you're a Christian, if you say you follow Jesus, but you're not helping others to follow him, I don't know what you mean. So another way to say it is if you say you're a disciple, a believer, there's lots of different words for the same truth, the same relationship. Uh, but if you're not discipling others in the ways of Jesus, I don't know what you mean. So, so we are returning to where we started two years ago, to the Great Commission, And uh, today's big idea, what I want to communicate is discipleship is what you will do if a disciple is who you are. Um, Two weeks ago, I I quoted Taylor Swift, so I'm going to do it again in case some of you missed it. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. Haters hate. That's what they do, right? Right. Yeah. Disciples gonna disciple. That's who we are. That's what we do. And so you could say, okay, uh, I I do this, Ben. I help others to follow Jesus. Once a month, I spend time, a little over an hour, serving kids downstairs, teaching them about Jesus at church. And I've spent all summer, I've tried saying thank you. What you do in that hour plus matters so much. It's so important. Looking back on my life, the, the people who invested in me, I'm just so grateful. Um, but, but today I, w- I, w- I want to challenge you in love and encourage you. It can be so much more than an hour on a Sunday morning. Or, or you can, you know, maybe you help at a camp all summer, and, 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 and that's awesome. Or you volunteer every weekend, almost every weekend. You're, you're out there volunteering, you know, good causes, whatever. And I just want to say, awesome, thank you. Like, keep serving, but your ministry is so much bigger. It can be so much bigger than just kind of these little niches of time where I'm doing ministry here or there. What I want to communicate this morning is that 
your ministry can be as big as your life with Jesus is. It will be as big as your walk with Christ is. Because what we do flows out of who we are. And we are called to be his disciple in all of life. Not just Sunday mornings or Tuesday night at small group. Um, This is an all of life thing. So I've got five passages. They're short. I'm going to invite you to read them with me today. If you're new here, this is new to us. We, We don't do out loud scripture reading together all the time, but I like to switch things up. I like to keep it fresh. So Luke 14, 33, would you please read it with me? So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's good. Good for the first one. Um, This is Jesus saying what it takes to be his disciple. And I've heard it a lot. It always strikes me as incredibly costly. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is intending to do. I'd encourage you to go back and read Luke 14 uh, this week and see the context. But what Jesus is saying is, look, either I'm your king or I'm not. Uh, Repentance is the defining commitment of your life. Not that we live this out perfectly, but that this is what we're committed to, to following Jesus in all of life renouncing all that we have in order to follow him. And, and that's the point of the whole passage. So I'm not just picking out a verse and making it, you know, say what I want it to say. This is the point of Jesus' whole, like, teaching in Luke 14. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer has famously said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. A great invitation, huh? Come follow me. Come and die is what Jesus is saying. Is saying. Um, and that's one side of the coin. That's, that's what we see in Luke 14. But uh, Dallas Willard has rightly articulated the other side of that coin is come and die in order that you might have true life, life to the fullest. So the cost, here's, here's all I'm trying to say this first point. The cost of discipleship, it really is great. It's, it's great. But the cost of non-discipleship to Jesus is greater. You're giving up the best life available to you if you choose to only partially follow Jesus or if you choose to not follow Jesus at all. So uh, just to be clear, uh, I've used this word disciple a lot already. Um, I want to say, what is a disciple? It is an apprentice, a student with a master teacher who is learning to be like him. That's a very simple description Jesus' disciples were with him, learning to be like him, and we are also called to be with Jesus, learning to be like him. And if you are sitting there thinking, I don't have time for that, Ben, Uh, unlike you, my job is not ministry full-time. I'm a single mom. I'm I'm starting a new business, working 70-plus hours a week. I'm a college student who works two jobs on the side. Uh, I just want to say, this life is available to each one of us. Wherever you work, live, play, and rest. Jesus is active, and he's inviting you in to his activity. And this can be part of who you are. It's a training process. We've talked about that before. It's a training process, but it's, it's available. So today, I want to give you five descriptions of discipleship. 
and uh, I already gave you the first, so we're 20% done. And the, sec- the second description is discipleship is to a master, to this master teacher, and it also impacts others. So let's read Matthew four nineteen together. And Jesus said to them, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So we can say a lot on all these passages. I'm just giving you a flyover of descriptions of discipleship today. It's a master teacher. Jesus says, follow me. But if anyone ever tells you, yeah, I'm following Jesus, but I don't need community. I don't, you know, I don't really associate with other people. Um, They're just off because Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So your life affects other people. As you follow Jesus, we are called to pursue. That, that's, what, that's what fishers do. They pursue fish. We're called to fish for men and women. Not for our sake, but to, for Christ's sake. That's part of our following him as our master. And this, this, this does not mean we pursue biblical knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Like, I don't, and our small groups don't want anything to do with study that doesn't change lives. We want to be about our lives being changed and seeing other people's lives changed as well as they interact with the living God. So an application, uh, these, these points are going to be real quick, and I'll give you time to reflect on these applications later, but if this is discipleship and we're called to pursue other people, who are you pursuing? Who are you inviting to know Christ? The third description of discipleship is that it's only possible with Jesus. Let's read John 15, verse 5 together. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is a relationship. This isn't possible to do because Joshua is so self-disciplined. Self-discipline matters, but you cannot do anything apart from Christ, anything spiritually significant. So without Jesus, your life shouldn't make sense to you or the people around you. So the application here is, how is Jesus making a difference in your life? And, and to reflect, I'll give you time later for these questions. Is there a part of my life that he really doesn't matter all that much? I could do what I do at work. I could do what I do at home without him affecting my thoughts, my attitudes, my actions. If that's the case, just, just know Jesus is inviting you to do that part of life with him. The fourth description of discipleship is that it is defined. Like, it's, it, we know what our mission is. We know what this is about. Jesus doesn't leave it ambiguous. Discipleship is defined, and it's ongoing. So we're going to read the Great Commission together. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's, here's what I mean by defined. He, he says, make disciples of all kinds of people, not just the people who are like you, that you're comfortable with, but all kinds of people. Invite them into this discipleship relationship with me and then mark them with the step of obedience and baptism. But, and, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So even if you could, you know, like walk with one person through that process, okay, I got to see him come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I, I had the privilege of baptizing that person. And I, we went through the whole New Testament <laughs> And, you know, everything that Jesus said to do, like, we're, we're making progress in obedience. And, and, and I'm encouraged by his life trajectory. You cannot check that box. It's an ongoing process. Because now your disciple needs to, part of the obeying everything Jesus said is, they need, need to go make a disciple. Need to go connect with someone who doesn't know Jesus. See Jesus bring them to faith in himself. And then teach others to obey. It's ongoing process. This is not something, okay, I did that in college. Now I'm going to go move on. Um, part of the definition is that we just keep doing this for the rest of our lives. Uh, so the application is, uh, how have you been pursuing this mission? How, how is it becoming a part of your life? Um, I'm going to go on a little tangent here like it'll I'll, I'll bring it back in but this will seem unrelated how do you feel about the word y'all you like that word I used to not like that word because in school I was taught that's not really a word um and you know I was I was by the book um you're like Ben you're still by the book uh, <laughs> uh a little bit less than I was I like to think okay that tangent's over um <laughs> But y'all, uh, I actually, I really like that word now because in our English language, there's no clarifying way to say you, Joel, unless I say Joel, versus you, this half of the room. You could mean you or it could mean you. That makes sense? Not really. So <laughs> what's the point of all this grammar? Well, it's the fifth description of discipleship. Discipleship, according to Jesus, according to the whole Bible, especially the New Testament, it is a community endeavor. All the verses that we read out loud together, all are referencing y'all. They're all referencing more than one person, and it's really easy for all of us, especially as Americans, and I'm proud to be an American, but it's easy for us to read the you in Scripture and thank me, me, individual. But it, it's, it's referencing we, it's referencing a community. So kind of tweaking Dever's statement again, if you say you're a follower of Jesus without including others in your life, your life with Jesus, I don't know what you mean based on what I see in scripture. And, and it could be that you have been hurt by community. It could be that you're confused, that you've never seen it modeled before. But you can't say that you're good without having others in, in your life. Um, 
And if you are following Jesus, you're, you're doing so alongside others. So uh, an application question to reflect on, and I'll, I'll give us time again at the end to just pray about these and ask God to, to speak to us. But who are you walking with? Um, who, who are you including in on your walk with Jesus? So uh, at this time, I, I want to invite Caleb Waller up. We're going to do a short interview because um, I wanted you to hear not just from me, but from other people, another person, how God's used community um, in his life. So we're just going to. And if you don't know Caleb, uh, it's because he's a really quiet guy and he serves, he serves in the background he really does, and ever since we started this church, he's been an incredibly, oh yeah, important part. He's been an incredibly important part of uh, a lot of the background work that it takes to have service every Sunday or even just to um, make this building an inviting space. Um, so if you think the basement is kind of dark and dingy now, you have no idea what it was like before Caleb Waller got his hands on those lights. You mean when Sarah met me alone down in the basement? And it was really creeped out because she oh had no gosh. idea who it was and it was dark. I didn't even know that happened. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I just got a few questions here for you, Caleb. Um, how did you first hear about small group? Um, so I was attending River uh, a long time ago, and... I had heard it a couple times and just kind of ignored it because that involves people yeah. um, and being around people, so it's just not my forte. Uh, but then I, I went through a little life crisis of my own and reached a breaking point and added you on Facebook and didn't say anything to you. And then like two weeks later, you got a hold of me and said, hey, what's going on? So uh, we went out to eat and I had a little breakdown and... Uh, Instead of judging me like I would have done to myself and had been doing to myself, you invited me to small group and uh, invited me to small group again later and invited me to small group again later. Um, and then I went to the last session before summer started uh, four years ago hmm. and have been going since. Wow. So uh, with all those invitations, what was your greatest fear as you considered joining or walk us through what you were feeling or thinking? It's really weird because you, you had already proved other than otherwise, but in my brain, I'm, if you've ever met engineers, we judge stuff. That's, that's what we do. Uh, so that's what my experience is. So it was really, I was afraid of being judged. Um, I've, I've lived my, my whole life in church and I, I've seen both sides of that coin, and I was really afraid of that, that 50-50, whenever the 50-50 really wasn't there. Um, but yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't live right, even though I've grown up in church and knew everything, knew everything, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't live it, and I knew that, so I was really just afraid of coming, in, coming out and letting people know that I didn't live it, instead yeah. of just yeah. hiding. Sure. So what do you recall as your first impressions? I mean, that was a while ago, but... Um, it, was really, it was really cool because uh, 
I mean, I can look out here and see a lot of my group out here, original group. Um, but uh, everybody knew each other. Everybody talked. Uh, it was very welcoming. Um, there wasn't there wasn't personal space, <laughs> um, <laughs> which also was like, hmm, y'all are very lovey-dovey, and I don't know if I like that. <laughs> We're going to start hugging soon. Um, but it was just, it was very welcoming, and... Uh, it uh, it was it was really interesting seeing how everyone had invested in each other, um, and no one no one went out on a limb and said, "Hey, you should try talking," because mm. I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you remember like when you decided, "Hey, this is for me. This is my group." So that's that's a really loaded question, uh, and I'm going to split it into two two parts. So do I remember when I decided that this was for me? No, because it isn't. Yeah. It still isn't. <laughs> Even after all this time, no, it's, it's not my thing. Yeah. I, uh, however, do I remember when I decided this was my group? Yeah. Yes. There, there was, there was one, one day probably about, honestly, this is bad to admit, but it was about t- probably a year and a half ago. Uh. It finally clicked in my head. and like, you know, these are my people. These are my guys, as weird as that is to say. We invest in each other. We love each other. We care about what goes on in each other's lives. It's we're helping each other grow. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah, there's there's a differentiation between that because I don't like going someplace where I, the purpose of me going is to put out yeah. and is to receive. It's it's a hard concept for my personality yeah. to do that. Yeah. So it's terrible, but yeah. I also love it. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to going every week, and then Thursday happens, and I'm like, you know what? You know what sounds really great? Pizza. Let's go get a pizza. I'm just going to go get a pizza alone. But it's pushing through that and going that makes it worthwhile. Good. Um, so how have you seen God use group and community in your life? Um, I really, I've really seen it help me in growing because I – Again, engineering flaw. We're perfect. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah. That must be nice. Uh, it is until you mess something <laughs> up and realize you're not perfect, and then you have to ignore that you're not perfect oh. because you're perfect. Wow. Um, sounds terrible. Okay. But uh, it, it's really helped me acknowledge that, and uh, it, it really helps me grow in not just spirit- spiritually but in every way. Yeah. Uh, going and getting putting myself in a position to get called out hmm. uh, helps me address the issues that I have had and will have and continue to have. Yep. And I can't ignore them anymore. Yep. Um, it makes it, I had, I had some fairly, fairly bad coping mechanisms. Uh, I smoked a lot. I drank a lot and I haven't really done any of that for a while. Hmm. So it's, it's nice to, to have, not have the guilt of not dealing with my own crap, I guess. Yeah. But it's because I put myself in the position to grow yeah. with everyone else kind of lifting me up and me lifting them up. Yeah. Praise God. That's awesome. Uh, so what would you say to the person who feels like, you know, something's holding them back from plugging into group uh, or the person who... It's like I've been in group and I haven't experienced that 
you know, that type of story, type of change. So what would you say? Jump. Yeah. Quit thinking about it. <laughs> uh, because the more you think about it, the more excuses you can come up with. Like I said, all throughout the week, I can be, yeah, you know, groups Thursday, I can't wait. I need to, I need to spend some time with my guys. I need to, I need, I need them. Um, and then Thursday comes around and I can come up with literally every excuse possible. Uh, but it's, it's painful for you to do that. And it's painful to the, guy, the, the people in your group to see that because they want you. They're going to continue investing in, in you. Ben asked me probably seven or eight times to come to group. He wants that relationship with you. We all want that relationship with you. Mm. If you come to our group, we are going to pour into you. Mm. And it sounds super cliche, <laughs> but we're going to pour into you. But you don't get it back until you're willing to accept it and mm. pour back in. Mm. Because whenever you start investing in the other people, that's whenever you are able and willing to accept it yourself. That's how that relationship grows. That's how you grow. So just quit thinking about it and jump. It's going to hurt. It, it'll hurt for a while. It might not stop hurting, but you have to do it. Mm. Thanks, Caleb. Let's give him a hand. So to echo and repeat really what Caleb said, the cost of discipleship is great. The cost of non-discipleship is far greater. So it's, life is going to be hard either way. But just because something's hard doesn't mean it's bad. There is such thing as a good hard. Uh, sacrifice is worth making. And so I'll, I'll repeat, the, the big idea of today is discipling others, pouring into them, loving them, pursuing them. That's what we do because increasingly this is who we are. And who we're becoming. And it's not natural. <laughs> not just because you have an engineering personality. It's not natural for any of us. Because we're selfish sinners who are focused on self. And we want to be the king. Both of our life and frankly of other people's lives too. As much as we're able to without them knowing it. <laughs> but this type of life is possible. Because... For as great of a cost as discipleship is, Jesus paid the higher cost, the higher price on the cross. And when you look at your life through that perspective, you see, man, the cost of discipleship is great, but I'm getting a great deal. <laughs> I mean, after all, look at all the other alternatives to following Jesus. This, this is the good life. This is the best life possible. Life with Christ, learning how to be like him as we go through life with him. And if you're out there and you're saying, I want that life, I don't even know how to start, Jesus says, I'll show you. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Okay, I've started with you, Jesus, but this is more than I can handle. My plate is full. My schedule is packed. Jesus says, I'll be with you in power. Stay with me. Abide with me. And it's possible because Jesus has defined the mission. Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And you're not alone. This mission is moved towards and accomplished together. All because Christ paid the price and he's resurrected from the dead. He is present and powerful with us. 
So I'm going to give us some time to pray. Uh, the, all, all the application questions will be up on the screen. And as you pray through these, I, I want to clarify the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is a loving uh, reminder or a loving encouragement from your Father in heaven to change. Uh, condemnation is from the devil, and it's very vague. General sense of guilt, like a cloud of I'm not good, I'm not worth it. Um, uh, I'm never going to measure up. Uh, so let God's spirit speak to you in love. And you might just hear on one of them, you might focus in on, on asking God one of these questions and he might reveal uh, a next step for you today or it might be on Wednesday. <laughs> um, so just just use this time to ask uh, Ask God to speak to us and to reflect on these questions.